It's so good to be with you on this day again. This is a very special day for me personally because of my love for Emily and Kevin and for and because of my appreciation for your pastor. And I was telling Hunter as we were talking on the platform before the service began that I it's my prayer that Kevin and Hunter will have a mutually enriching Christian friendship that will bless this whole congregation. Mm-hmm. And the pastorate can be a lonely thing. And to have a brother in arms uh, who, and, and it's interesting, the gifting that these two men share, they share similar intellectual, theological, cultural, and relational gifting. Uh, and I could see the Lord doing very remarkable things through the ministry in their midst. You, you pray for them. You pray for the Lord to protect them and to bless them because the blessing will ultimately be yours, I assure you. So this is a very special day for me. I'd like to, to ask you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at the very end of chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. This is a passage that Kevin chose, and I was delighted. It's, it's like throwing me prayer rabbit into the briar patch to get to preach on this passage. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's not the last words that Paul says to Timothy, because in this very book, in the next chapter, he's going to ask Timothy to come to him. So Paul is going to be able to say more words to him before Paul dies. But these are the last inspired words that Paul writes to Timothy. And you know that when you're writing your last words, you make them count. They're very important. And so Paul is writing about things that are near and dear to his heart. And in this section, he's writing about the Bible. He's writing about the scriptures. Now, he's telling Timothy something here that Timothy already knows, because Timothy's already a preacher, and he's already, he already knows the things that Paul is telling him. Why is Paul reiterating these things? Because it's not enough to know these things and to once believe them we have to continue to believe them. If we're going to cross the finish line in the Christian life, you don't just start with these things. You have to finish with these things. The next thing that Paul's going to start saying in chapter 4 is that he has fought the good fight and he's finished the race and he's kept the faith. He wants Timothy to do the same thing. That's why he's saying what he's saying here at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Before we read, let's pray and ask for God's help and blessing. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You mean it for our edification. It is by your truth that we are sanctified, that we are grown in grace. And it's by your word that we are saved. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would save and sanctify through the ministry of the word in this pulpit, in this congregation, as long as Hunter and Kevin have breath in them, that they would preach this word and that you would use it by the power of your spirit. And we pray that you would now open our eyes to behold wonderful things in this your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is God's word. Hear it, beginning in chapter 3, verse 14. But, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, 
knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Amen. And thus ends this reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth upon all our hearts. There are two things that I want you to see in this passage. This passage is one of those passages that is so rich that you could hear a sermon series on it. So let me restrict myself to two things in this passage. First, what the Bible is. And second, what the Bible does, what it's for. What the Bible is and what the Bible does or what it's for. First, in this passage, we see two very important descriptions or definitions of what the Bible is. The first one you see back in verse 15, where Paul speaks of Timothy being acquainted with what? The sacred writings. Now, on the backs or on the spines of most of your Bibles, and certainly of the Pew Bibles, are probably two words. Holy Bible. That's exactly what Paul calls the scriptures in this passage. The sacred writings, or the Holy Bible. I believe I could make an argument for the inerrancy of scripture from those two words. This book, the Bible, is holy. To be holy is to be perfect. Jesus said so. Check Matthew 5. These writings are God's words, and they're holy. Paul says, what is the Bible? It's holy. Sacred writings. Second, look down in verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now that that phrase, breathed out by God, is all one word in the Greek that Paul writes here. And Paul invents a word to say, breathed out by God. Now, behind that word, I have the sneaking suspicion, is Jesus' quote of Moses' to Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness. Do you remember when Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to eat, to to create bread magically and eat it, and Jesus responds to him and he says, oh, no, 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 man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, he's quoting Moses from Deuteronomy to Satan to emphasize that we live by the very word of God. But listen to that language. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, listen to what Paul says. All scripture is breathed out of the mouth of God. I 
have a sneaking suspicion that Paul invents this Greek word to capture what Jesus is talking about there in the temptation. What is the Bible? It's breathed out of the mouth of God. It is the very word of God. That is so important for you to understand. If this book is merely the opinions of men, why are we here, people? (laughs) If this is just the opinions of men, I can get that on pick your favorite political view TV channel and listen to the opinions of men all day long. But if this is the very word of God, we better hear it. Please understand the blessing that you are receiving when the Word of God is opened in this pulpit, read, and proclaimed. You are hearing something that six billion people on this planet have never heard. When you gather here at New Covenant Presbyterian Church to hear the Word of God read and proclaimed in the worship service, you are hearing the Word of God read in your own language as a means of grace in the context of the worship of the people of God, that is a very special event because the way that God reveals himself to his people is through his word. One of the next things that Paul is going to say, if you allow your eyes to sneak down and take a peek at chapter 4, verse 2, he's going to tell Timothy to do what? Preach the word. So he's just said, what's the Bible? Holy Scriptures. What's the Bible? Breathed out of the mouth of God? Preach it, Timothy. When Hunter, when Kevin, when the faithful brothers in this pulpit open up the word of God and expound it, do you understand what's happening? God is speaking to you, his people. Why do you come to worship? To meet with God. How do you meet with God who is a spirit and you can't see? By his word. I love how J.I. Packer defines preaching. He says, in preaching, the word of God delivers through the preacher a message about God and godliness. Isn't that a beautiful definition? In preaching, the word of God delivers through the preacher a word about God and godliness. In other words, when Hunter and Kevin stand up, they are not just sharing their ideas. Their job is to precisely not share their ideas. Their job is to tell you what God says as faithfully as they know how. Because their ideas will not save you, but God's word will. Their ideas will not build you up, but God's word will. Pray for your pastors as they bring you God's word and realize what a privilege it is for you to have an encounter with the living God as they preach his word. Second, that's what the Bible is. It is the sacred writings. It's the Holy Bible. It's breathed out of the mouth of God. That's what the Bible is. And by the way, I I had the opportunity to interview John Piper on how he came to a high view of Scripture. About four years ago, Mark Dever let me interview John Piper and ask him, how did you come to a high view of Scripture? And you see Paul saying for Timothy to remember what you've learned. You've always been taught by your grandmother and your mother to have a high view of Scripture. Keep on believing in that high 
high view of Scripture. I got to ask John Piper the question, how did you come to a high view of Scripture? And I was really interested because John Piper went to Germany and studied New Testament with very famous liberal scholars. And I was, I was interested in, what, John, did you come to a high view of Scripture before that or after that, or how did you come to that? So I, I, I just I said, well, John, how did you come to believe in the inerrancy of the Bible? And, he, and John said, my mama told me to. <laughs> and I thought, what a great answer. That's exactly what Paul says to Timothy. He says, now, Timothy, your grandmama and your mama, they told you to believe the Bible. You keep on believing that Bible. And you know, Kevin, that's your testimony. From childhood, you've been taught to believe the Bible. Keep on believing it. Keep on believing the Bible. Second, what's it for? Again, two glorious things are said in this passage about what the Bible's for. Did you catch the first one? Look at verse 15. The sacred writings which are what? Able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, don't miss this. What writings were around and available to Timothy when he was a boy? The New Testament? No. What we call the Old Testament. The Hebrew Bible. That was what was around when... In fact, Paul's still writing part of the New Testament uh, in this letter. So when he says... Those sacred writings were able to make you wise unto salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you hear what he's saying? The Old Testament can teach you about Jesus. The Old Testament teaches you that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's not just a New Testament thing. That's an Old Testament thing. I remember a friend of mine who had who'd moved from church to church to church trying to find some place where the gospel was preached from all of Scripture. And one, one Sunday night, they went into a congregation where the pastor was preaching from an Old Testament book, and he preached the gospel, he preached grace from the Old Testament, and my friend Kirk looked at his wife, Jeannie, and said, we're home, honey. And, and he said, I just heard a man preach the gospel, preach the grace of Christ from the Old Testament. We're home. And see, here's Paul saying, that Old Testament can teach you the way of salvation, which is through Christ. Now, of course, Paul did not invent that idea. Jesus told that to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. This Old Testament, he said, bears witness to him. It teaches of the humiliation and the exaltation of the Messiah. Paul reiterates that same thing to Timothy. But, but don't miss this. Here's the big thing. What is the scripture able to do? It's able to make you wise for salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. Bible preaching teaches you the way of salvation. And what is that way of salvation? Through faith in Christ Jesus. So what does the Bible do? It teaches you the way of salvation, and that way is only in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Peter said, there's no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved but through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way of salvation, and the Bible teaches you that. Secondly, look at verse six, verses 16 and 17. 
All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So what's the Bible good for? It teaches you how to live the Christian life. The Bible teaches you the way of salvation, and it teaches you the way of the Christian life. It equips you for every good work, and it teaches you that salvation is in Jesus by faith. So the preaching of the Bible faithfully saves and sanctifies. It's there to lead us to Christ and to disciple us in Christ. And that's why the word needs to be preached. And that's why you ought to yearn for that word to be preached. How is it that your children come to know God savingly through the faithful ministry of the word? How is it that you grow up and you are able to make it through the trials and the tribulations and the tests of this life? Through the word of God, preached faithfully. So you want that word preached in your congregation faithfully. It will be a blessing to you. A number of years ago, my friend Mark Dever was in England giving a lecture on Puritan preaching. And he was, um, he was saying to the, to the crowd that was gathered for that lecture, have you ever seen the wrought iron hooks that protrude from Reformation-era pulpits in these English rural parish churches? And only a few had seen them. And he said, do you know what those are for? And uh, someone said, no. He said, well, those were to hold hourglasses. And those hourglasses were gifts from the congregation to their pastors. <laughs> and if the congregation loved their pastor, he might give him one or two turns of the hourglass. And when Mark said that, a lady in the, in the audience audibly gasped. <gasps> two or three hour sermons? <gasps> and Mark said, understand that in many of those rural parish churches, there would have been people in the era of the Reformation who would have remembered the smell of burning flesh of people who had died so that they could hear the word of God read in English. And for them to be able to get the word of God expounded to them in language that they could understand, they were ready to stay there as long as as possible. My friends, the more thirst you have for the Word of God, the more you will benefit from the ministry of the Word from this pulpit. It's my, it is my prayer that the Lord will afflict you with an insatiable thirst for the Word of God and that you will love the faithful preaching of the Word of God that you receive from this pulpit in the days ahead. May the Lord bless you all as we uh, gather together to appoint tonight to ordain and install a man whose first job is to bring the Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together in your Word. Bless your Word, Lord. We ask it in the ministry of this congregation, in Jesus' name.